the hell do you think you're doing? Like you don't know. Take your shoes off the mat. You're disrespecting my dojo. You're seriously going to talk to me about disrespecting dojos after what you just did to mine? I don't tell you to talk about it. I didn't do anything to your dojo. It's just like you didn't slug one of my employees, huh? You know, part of me actually felt bad for you at one point, but you make it so easy to remember who the bad guy is in all of this. You call yourself a sensei. You don't even know what a sensei is. A sensei mentors. A sensei elevates. He doesn't teach destruction and disrespect. I already said I don't know what you're talking about, LaRusso. And you don't know what you're talking about either. Yeah, well, I know you don't. You don't earn the Medal of Honor by stealing it. Hey, guys, this is Ralph Macchio. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is William Zapka. You're listening to Cobra Kai Companion, the podcast. Welcome to another episode of Cobra Kai Companion, and I am Peter. And I'm Tom. And we're back with another episode. This time we are reviewing episode five of season two, All In. Um, Tom, how you been? It's been a while since we've actually recorded. I've been working, uh, been hoping for some nice weather in the summer, but uh, uh, just doesn't seem to be in the cards so far. Yeah, I've been extremely busy with work. I've been... Working six days a week for the past, gosh, I don't know, like two months at least. I think was the, probably the last wow. time I actually had two days off yeah. uh, the week. Um, but, you know, just a little tidbit here for the listeners. We do have one interview in the bag. Uh, we haven't decided when we'll release that yet. Uh, probably a few more episode reviews, I believe. Um, I just want to get these interviews kind of right before certain episodes. That way we can get some insight into, um, you know, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's a companion to the companion, I guess you could say. Oh, I, I see what you did there, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I know we have been talking about doing, uh, you know, the Q&A episodes, uh, John Hurwitz's Q&As that he uh, conducts on Twitter. Um, I think at the time of this recording, he is... Uh, doing his fifth at this point that we have not yet covered. So those will come. Um, I don't know if we want to do them all in one sitting or break them up. We'll probably break them up, I'm, I'm sure. I was going to um, say, for the sake of our backs, we're going to have to. I mean, I don't know if I could sit for five hours straight. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. Uh, but yeah, those will be coming. And, you know, he's probably getting some, some of these knocked out, you know, before uh, they start, you know, writing uh, season three and and becomes you know a little less available well according to sources they have already started writing in fact oh, yeah. uh a certain somebody visited the uh writer's room this week right right we did see that um no what i meant was you know not that they're they're starting to write but they're in the process of writing gotcha. you know so be, you know the busier they get with the writing the less available he might be for these q a so maybe he's knocking knocking them out now is what i'm getting at Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So, again, um, episode five, all in of season two. As usual, we have a uh, episode summary here uh, provided by Amy S. Daniel's patience is tested by Dimitri's Dimitriness, but they ultimately make a nerd connection over their shared love of Game of Thrones. 
Also making a connection, Tori and Miguel. Johnny continues to allow Kreese to play a more active role in Cobra Kai, and his influence has very ugly consequences. Hawk's anger towards Dimitri comes to a head in a mall brawl between Cobra Kai and Miyagi-Do. Johnny learns that Robbie has moved in with the Russos and takes it about as well as anyone would expect. Daniel angrily confronts a confused Johnny at Cobra Kai after discovering Mr. Miyagi's home has been vandalized, resulting in more students defecting to Miyagi-Do. Thanks, Amy S., for that. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, very detailed. Um, that's I, I think she nailed it. I think she got every, you know all the details. Uh, very descriptive uh, about this episode. I uh, I would have to agree. Yes, sir. Now, Tom, I got to ask you. Um, what did you think about this episode? I thought that as a standalone episode, the centerpiece was clearly the fight in the food cafeteria section of the mall, the food court. Uh, but that's not really why I liked it. Um, this show is, if, if nothing else, it's all about the characters. And there was a lot of stuff in here to kind of show the characters' growth, you know, uh, in their in their arcs. I, I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it, too. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention, that this episode is written by, um, or was written by the big three. Uh, so all three of them wrote this and directed by Josh Heald. Uh, and if you guys remember from season one, uh, same thing. Josh Hill directed five and six. Um, and season two, he also directed five and six. This episode, I feel, I'm trying to remember back when it first aired. I felt like this gave me all of the feels, uh, good and bad. Um, in the, in the mall brawl that you mentioned, and as Amy, uh, mentions in, in, in her summary, at one point we see Dimitri kind of backing up and a hawk walking towards him, you know, um, I remember when that was first revealed in the 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 teaser. Uh, the very first time I saw that, I was like, "Wait, what? What is going on?" Just visually, it's like it's pretty intense, you know. Like Dimitri, a, a guy who is so innocent, you know, from from season one, to see him, his best friend, backing him up. No, not you, you know what I mean. Oh yeah, there, I definitely got a predator prey vibe from yes. the whole situation. Yeah, very scary for me uh, because I didn't know what the hell was going on. But obviously, at the end of the episode, I, I feel most people would agree was a little was rough. You know, seeing uh, Miyagi Do vandalized. Um, we'll, we'll definitely get to it, but that's that's where a lot of my feels came from too. So we'll go ahead and uh, jump into this episode review. We got a bit of a cold open here. We got, uh, we're introduced to Mrs. Mouskowitz and she's on the phone with Counselor Blatt. So we get to see a little bit of a, not really a retcon, but we get to see like the other side of that conversation, you know, from season one where Counselor Blatt mm-hmm. makes, yeah, makes the announcement. Um, but Eli, very emotional here. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I knew what Eli was becoming before I saw this, this cold open. Uh, but I couldn't help but feel bad for him because I mean, at one point or another, everybody gets picked down at school. So you can kind of sympathize with where he's coming from. Uh, but that, uh, sympathy really only extends so far in this episode. Yeah. Um, I feel in one of the Q and A's that we have not yet covered, I, I feel somebody asked, um, John Hurwitz this, you know, like the, the, the purpose of the scene and I think he said something. It was, and I, I could be, I could be completely wrong here, 
but I feel like he uh, said something to the effect of it was kind of a reminder that like, hey, Hawk was once Eli, like this, you know, he was this kid. Oh, absolutely. This was vital for his character. Yeah, absolutely. We, we'll, we'll see in this episode later on how far he has come. Just serves as a reminder that the whole reason he went to Cobra Kai to begin with is because bullies at school were making his life miserable and he decided that he's not going to be a victim anymore. That's right. And this is, you know, probably shortly after he would flip the script. He mentions, you know, his only best fr- or his only friend is, G- uh, um, is Dimitri and he's got mm-hmm. no girlfriend, you know, so that may be true for Eli. So, you know, here's this persona of Hawk and, and now he's got all of the friends in Cobra Kai and he has a girlfriend, Moon, you know, so I think, um, I thought this was really nice, you know, to, to kind of see this, the, this other side here. Uh, I feel, like, I might have seen somewhere on social media that people are like, oh, this was unnecessary or whatever. But I, I thought this was very, like you said, no, vital no. to his character. Yeah, it's important to, I mean, uh, I, I can't remember uh, where I read it or heard it first. But, you know, uh, bad guys aren't born. They're made. Mm-hmm. And this is important to remind you why Hawk is the way he is. Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, he's just some cartoon bad guy you right. know, with no personality. Yeah, yeah. If you have forgotten, he was not always Hawk. So, no. uh, I like the transition here where he's laying on his bed and, and then it transitions to him at the tattoo parlor getting the, um, the Hawk's blue hair tr- changed to red. Uh, and also we see the, uh, the blue Cobra Kai logo changed to red as well. Mm-hmm. Now, how would that work? I mean, wouldn't it turn purple? You know, I I feel like I I asked Brianna that, and and she said she didn't know how the you know pigments and any of that stuff worked. But um, yeah, I would think that it would at least I don't know if it would make it purple, but it, it would make it a it wouldn't make it red. Eh, and unless you got movie removed. magic for you kids, <laughs> yeah. don't put too much thought into it. That's that's probably what happened. He he got the blue ink removed and then replaced it with red. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he can afford it. But um, he got a moon tattoo. Kind of cute. What do you think? Kiss of death. It is, you know, it. you're still like, what, 16? You know, you would want to hold off putting a girlfriend or boyfriend's name on your it body. It doesn't matter how old you are. Anytime you put your significant other's name tattooed on your body, you're just asking for something bad to happen to that relationship. N- now, wait a minute. What, what about those uh, biker guys with like the mom heart tattoo with an arrow through it? Mom probably has some uh, thoughts on that, I bet. <laughs> um. He is with uh, what he calls the asshole twins, which is actually Mitch and Chris. So they are kind of his lackeys, I guess. Yeah. uh, At this point, those two are just kind of nameless goons at this point, wouldn't you say? At this point, yeah. I mean, uh, I I don't know if... I I know Chris's name gets mentioned here later on in the episode. I don't know if we heard it before that, you know? No. uh, At this point, they're... They're good for some like light minor comic relief, but I'm glad to see that their characters got fleshed out as the season went along. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of characters being fleshed out, Dimitri is learning paint the fence. Um, he wants to cut to the chase. Doesn't want the muscle memory. He just wants to learn. <laughs> he just he just wants to learn the moves. And then I I was gonna say I thought that this whole sequence was just a, a brilliant send-up of the original Karate Kid. Yeah, it's a training montage, but with dialogue. <laughs> exactly. So, different but same. You know, instead of, you know, a wise old sage teaching an eager-to-learn student, 
you have a new teacher who doesn't really have a lot of experience under his belt trying his best to teach just the worst student imaginable. I, I, I couldn't help but laugh at this entire sequence. It's, it's pretty great. And again, we love Gianni here. And we're glad to see him, you know, do a lot more and just be Gianni. You know, we, we've talked with other cast members who say he's just, you know, the funniest guy on set. And so I, I love all of this dialogue. You know, we, we kind of remember the way Daniel went through the very similar things, but we got Gianni going through it and delivering these, you know, Dimitri esque lines, you know, so, so I, I really like it a lot. Yes. Now, did you think that this was maybe commentary? On uh, today's kids, as far as, you know, like the whole bubble wrap kid who doesn't really have a, a lot of physicality to him. Hmm. I mean... You know, kind of an, an extension of the conversation that Daniel was having with the fathers at the country club. Right. I, I, I can see it. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't dismiss it. Just what I was kind of wondering on this latest rewatch. Yeah. Uh, something to keep an eye on, I, I guess. Yeah. Uh, we cut back to the Cobra Kai dojo, and we get uh, Johnny versus Kreese, kind of. Kreese um, puts him in a chokehold, like the beginning of part two. I did catch that, yes. Uh, I thought it was kind of an interesting discussion as far as how you get out of that situation, as right. well as risk versus reward. Right. Nobody wins by doing nothing. Um, exactly. I, I, I do kind of like what uh, Johnny says here. This is a new lesson. And also we get the title of the episode. You make a choice. You make a move. Go all in. So I, I thought that was a really interesting lesson, but I don't know if it sunk in the way that maybe Johnny was hoping it would later in the episode. Probably not. Um, but this episode, the the title rather... Uh, or I, I guess even the lesson, it kind of reminds me of um, Breaking Bad, right? Full measure, half oh, yeah. measure. I was thinking the exact same thing. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Um, shortly after this, Johnny and Kreese, they're having some beers and um, the topic of Robbie comes up. Kreese doesn't think it's right that he's over at Miyagi-Do. Um, Johnny says that he's trying and Kreese kind of calls him out. It says, basically, you're not practicing what you're preaching. You know, you need to go all in. Yeah, but the thing with the all-in philosophy is it's kind of like a scorched earth technique where you don't have any choice but to engage it, consequences be damned. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that with the strain that Robbie has on his relationship with uh, Johnny at this point and vice versa, if a scorched earth uh, approach would be best. You know, because the lesson, or at least the way that they illustrated the lesson was to injure yourself in order to get away from the the attacker. I don't know if that's the approach you would want to take in uh, the situation between the two of them. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I don't know. The, the the way they both fall too, it was it was almost kind of like a like like a push and I guess that's to emphasize that you you must do something. Mhm. Yeah. Uh we get a Yasmin sighting on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. Uh, apparently she's in France. Aisha says that she can stay there. But Tori, you know, she's a cobra, right? So she's got some alpha moves. She throws an ice cube over at Miguel, sitting at a different table. Yeah, uh, that seems to be a recurring joke. And uh, luckily for her, it went the way that she was hoping. Yeah, it, it, it worked, kind of, I guess. 
um, Miguel, you know, he's making a video for Sam, you know, because he, he wants to get back with her. What did you think of the video that he was making? Did you agree with Tori or did you agree with what Miguel was trying to do? I agree with what Miguel is doing because he's a teenager. I feel a lot of us around that time, at, at that age, we did stuff like that. I made mixed CDs for girls, gave it to them. You know, I can see where he's going with this. I could too, but Tori's kind of right. It looks you know, desperate. You don't want to, yeah, yeah, that's not an attractive quality that somebody would be looking for. I don't entirely disagree with that. Um, I mean, I think in this case, it may not work. But mm-hmm. I think in another situation, different couples, the ex-girlfriend may actually, you know, think it's a nice gesture, you know, and, and give a second chance. But obviously, you know, we've already seen all of season two, but for these characters, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So I guess on that note, you're probably right. But uh, I think real world, you know, it's, I think it's 50-50. I think some will, you know, like it and some won't. I don't know. I always figured something like that is something that you make for a a young lady while you're in the relationship, not while you're trying to reconcile. Okay. Well, so I guess he's taking the all in and going about it the wrong way, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. He's he's willing to risk damaging his relationship, but he doesn't understand the consequences of that risk possibly backfiring. Yeah. I mean, he may not have thought this out completely through but uh again like the and whole what thing, teenage boy does no no right but i mean the octopus right i i think that's a nice touch the 80s song mm-hmm. i like the idea of the whole thing whether it'll work or not you know that's that's on sam but um at this point hawk is eating chris's mozzarella stick and uh, mitch shows hawk dimitri's yelp review about cobra kai i can kind of see where Hawk is approaching this. I I don't agree with how he handles it, but he's looking at this as Cobra Kai is what's showing me how to stand up for myself. It's what's making me a better person. And here's this guy who couldn't hack it, attacking something that I find important online. Right. Do you think he was more concerned of what was said or the one-star review? Everything. It was the total package. It wasn't just the review. It wasn't just the one-star it wasn't just who put that out there. It was everything. Yeah. I mean, this this is his gang, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, Sam and Robbie are practicing the wheel technique, and Dimitri has a note from his mom excusing him from any extensive arm and leg movements. <laughs> um, but we do find out that he doesn't want to be there. Um, but, you know, he's being threatened by his best friend, and he just wants to show, what you know, that he can fight back. Again, uh, it, it's an interesting parallel, really, when you think about it, between Dimitri and Hawk. They both went to dojos because they were threatened. But Dimitri, I mean, you can't help but feel even worse for him because this was one of his very few friends that he had completely turning on him. That's right. Yeah. You know, and, and Daniel, he can sympathize, too, right? You know, coming mm-hmm. uh, from Jersey and, um, well, he didn't have very many friends, but... Cobra Kai was basically ruining his life. And exactly. In a sense, yeah, same thing is happening to Dimitri. Uh, Johnny goes to Robbie's apartment, and he sees an eviction notice on the door, and he has a skateboard with him. Yeah. I gotta admit, uh, Johnny handled this a lot more calmly than I'd have imagined he would. 
Well, at, at what part? The, the eviction or the fact that Robbie's not there? The eviction. You know, the fact that his kid is facing the streets. And, right. he, that, and that's how he found out about it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Um, do you, man, I, I feel we're going to lose some, some cred here. <laughs> uh, who, who's Jen that he was on the phone with or trying to call? Isn't, oh, geez, I thought that was the mother that he was trying to get in touch with. No, no, uh, that's Shannon. Oh, oh, geez, I'm not sure. Um, well, we're, we're getting yelled at. Let, let, let's, let's move on. Maybe, maybe I was going to no, say, yeah, yeah that, I, I, can right? feel, <laughs> I can feel Brianna just staring at her speaker right now. Uh, throwing her hands up and shouting at us. Absolutely. Yes. Um, okay, so Sammy and Robbie are at the mall, and we find out Robbie's middle name is Swayze. We find out that they both like dirty dancing, but Dimitri is more partial to Patrick Swayze's role in Donnie Darko. Um, a little bit of context here for those that don't know. He was a pedophile. Oh, I didn't. It's been so dang long since I saw that. Wasn't he like like a like a pastor or a preacher or something? Think, something? Yeah, I think he was. I just thought it was funny that uh, he zeroed in on the geekiest movie on uh, on Patrick Swayze's IMDb page. Okay, see now. I'm pretty sure that's what his character was, but I, man, God, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I should look that up first before I mention it, but I, that's kind of what I remember, though. But then I might I, be... I, I only saw it one time back, like, like right after it came out, so I, I'm going to have to defer on that one. Sure. Yeah, I might be mixing it up, mixing it up with a Butterfly Effect with um, Eric Stoltz's character. That was a pedophile. Hmm. It, it might be. So we'll, we'll get corrected, I'm sure. Um, yes. But the fact that Patrick Swayze is mentioned here, uh, obviously there's no mention of the outsiders, but I did ask, does Ralph Macchio play in the outsiders with Patrick Swayze? Oh, good question. Is this like the last action hero where there's a Ralph Macchio and a Daniel LaRusso? That's a very good question, sir. So somebody will have the answer and let us know. Yes. Tori brings over some melted ice cream to Miguel. And I guess at this point, we see a little bit more. Uh, Listen to Your Heart is the song that's on there. A lot of 80s references in this uh, particular episode. Am I the only one that thought it was kind of coming out almost at a rapid fire pace at points? No, no, not not at all. I mean, I, I think that was kind of the theme of this, this season, um, down to the score. Oh, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying this particular episode, it just felt like they were really just doing a lot of 80s references. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll we'll see it in in future episodes as well. But oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I'm a little surprised that uh, Miguel has veered off from 80s rock to 80s pop, pop adjacent. Well, maybe. I don't think it's so much that he was looking to. I, I don't think that's the type of music he listens to. I think that's the type of music he thinks Sam listens to. Hmm. Okay. So he said that that was a song that Sam liked. When he was showing uh, Tori that video. I might have missed that part. Yeah. Good song nonetheless. Yeah. Basically, you know, we kind of talked about earlier, you know, what they were talking about here. But she pretty much tells him that he's got to act like he's totally over her. Do you think that will work? It's probably the healthiest approach. So what Miguel doesn't know is that Tori and Sam have met. And so that's why Mm -hmm. she's telling him, you know, just forget about her. You know, don't even worry about it. But I don't think that's the best advice. You know, if you, if, if Miguel went to Aisha or Hawk, 
they'll say something different. Well, a hawk might agree, but I think Aisha would probably say, you know, go talk to her. Yeah, but on the other hand, uh, I don't know if Sam wants him to talk to her. You know, after a while, you you really don't want to appear too desperate. Yeah, because not only will it backfire on you when you're you know talking with the uh, the person you're trying to make up with, eventually it's just gonna drag you down. Yeah, uh, and because at this point, I don't think Miguel knows that. Well, not a lot of people know that Robbie's moved in with the Larusos. Mm -hmm. So, in Miguel's mind, she's technically single. I mean, she is single right now, uh, Sam. That is. So mm -hmm. I feel like he would keep trying, um, unless he knew that she did move on. You know, I, I think that's when he would stop. So I don't know. Um, yeah, but when she's blocking you on social media and refusing to take your calls, that right there is a sign that she doesn't really want to talk to you yet. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll 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 just leave it at that then. Yeah. Um, Johnny pulls up to LaRusso's and not not their house, but their uh, dealership and runs into Anoush. And Anoush uh, thinks that Johnny owes him a pair of Oxfords for the uh, <laughs> the, the shit that he pulled. Yeah. Yeah. For the uh, billboard incident. Yeah. Yeah. We'll call it that. Um, and he asks uh, where Robbie is and roughs Anoush up a little bit. And if for anybody that follows us on social media, I did a little meme of uh, Anoush and Johnny here. Paired up with Biff and George McFly from the uh, the prom scene. Well, not prom, but Enchantment Under the Sea Dance. Very, uh, yeah, I did see that. That was cute, sir. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I felt bad for Anoush uh, at, at this point. But also, Johnny mentioned that he went to like another location and they said, you know, that he might be over here or whatever. Shouldn't Johnny have guessed that? Well, Daniel, I guess, could be at different locations at any point, but, you know, he did walk into this very location in season one, the first episode. Yeah. Um, I don't see why he didn't just go to, you know, the LaRusso house. Right. He has been in the backyard and inside. As I was gonna say, he knows where it is. It took <laughs> him all night to find it the first time, but he knows where it is now. Well, but he, he doesn't find out until now, though. From Anoush, you know, okay, that he okay, is staying okay. with the LaRussos. So that's the thing. So he wouldn't have gone right away. So we cut to the comic book store uh, for uh, Dimitri is picking up Dungeon Dungeon Lord. And he runs into Hawk. Now, do you want to tell what the listeners what Red Hulk is? Uh, there are actually a lot of variations on the Hulk. Uh, Red Hulk is pure rage. Uh, you've also had... Gray Hulk, who uh, is more semi-intelligent. Uh, you've had, you know, uh, just a whole bunch of variations, and this is just one more. Mm -hmm. So that's the the reference there. If you guys didn't pick up on that, but um, yes, and very appropriate given uh, Eli's headspace these days. Mm -hmm. And Hawk uh, threatens um, Dimitri and tells him to take down the Yelp review, which. He refuses because that would uh, compromise his journalistic integrity. Um, <laughs> uh, and he gets shoved uh, to the ground, knocks some things over. And um, I thought those were, well, no, not yet. He doesn't fall yet. Yeah, but he does get shoved. Now, I like how this is the second Ninja Turtles reference we got. The first one was with Stingray, you know, Donatello and the bow. Now mm -hmm. we got uh, Eli, no, I'm, I'm sorry, Dimitri calling Chris and Mitch Rocksteady and Bebop, which everyone seems to be confused about. 
I thought it was an appropriate comparison. Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah, but I mean, you, know, you know, again, they're they're background goons at this point. Clearly, they missed out on the Ninja Turtles Michael Bay version. Well, I don't well, know if I would say that they missed it as much as they <laughs> avoided it. Okay, fair enough. I think it was the second movie uh, where you got those <laughs> characters. Yeah, and uh, more cobras show up and cue no shelter from the first Karate Kid movie, and they start chasing Dimitri around the mall. Yeah, uh, I thought that this was just a very well put together, well choreographed action scene. Yeah, I really dig it. Um, before they started chasing, well, actually, I, I think at one point Hawk tells them to split up, and the look that Chris gives, he's not into this at all. You know, he's no. just yeah, he's tagging along, and he does not like that they're having to chase you know another student. I I thought that it was just. I don't know. He, he was a prime uh, candidate for Miyagi-Do, I thought. Not to get too far ahead of ourselves. I, I thought sure. it was nice that they actually planted the seeds so that when, you know, everything happened, it w- didn't feel too sudden. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he could be, you know, this this generation's Bobby, you know? Good comparison as well, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, the actual brawl. Um, I like it a lot. You know, we get, you know, cutting of the... um. The, the, the wheel technique training mixed in with them actually doing the wheel technique, you know, defending against like 10, 15 other kids? Well, I thought it was really nice to see that everything that Daniel is telling these kids is paying off. Right. They're able to defend themselves without really even thinking about it. It's all muscle memory at this point. And not only does it help things click for Robbie and Sam, but it's showing Dimitri that maybe... Mr. Lawrence knows what he's, or Mr. LaRusso knows what he's talking about. Right. And so, um, yeah, amazing fight scene. And you, you get the, uh, flying punch, you know, from Dimitri or Dimitri Hawk and he gets kicked by, uh, by Robbie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that, uh, everything on here was just as it should have been. I, I thought it was great. Yeah. Yeah. This is definitely a step up from, you know, Miguel's cafeteria fight. In mm-hmm. episode five, season one, uh, we cut to drunk Johnny. Um, he runs into Carmen in the parking lot and says, uh, oh, got your washing machine there? You know, she's holding <laughs> a basket of laundry. Um, after finding out that your son is now living with your high school rival, instead of going there to go get him or whatever, he just kind of like, that fit. I'm just going to drink. Not Johnny's shining moment. No. Right now. No. You know, uh, he, again, should have, I don't know if he knows, uh, if he has uh, Daniel's phone number, but he should have contacted him, you know, some sort, saying, hey, we got to work this out. Yeah. I mean, that would that would be the adult thing to do, right? But we're talking exactly. about Johnny Lawrence here, yeah. I mean, he could have easily gotten it from Anoush, maybe, after finding out that, you know, his son is now living with the LaRusso. I, I feel, you know, why would Anoush at that point not cooperate, right? It's like, that's my son. If he's staying with LaRusso, I want LaRusso's number. Either that or I drive back to his house. <laughs> you know, so. Well, I mean, it just kind of goes to show that as much as I like Johnny Lawrence as a character, he's still a very flawed character. At the end of the day, he still looks upon himself as a victim. You know, the world uh, owes him something because 35 years ago at a beach party, some new kid 
you know, challenged him to a fight and made him look bad in front of his ex-girlfriend, and things just kind of went downhill from there. Mm. You know, he's still kind of seeing everything in his life as someone else's fault. And I think this episode really kind of drove that home. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Um, Daniel gets home, and he's proud that Sam and Robbie were able to apply what they've learned and defend themselves in the fight. Well, I mean, not only that, but, I mean, he has to feel some sort of, you know, maybe not relief, but at least some kind of encouragement as a teacher that what he's doing is is starting to work. Right, exactly. Um, And he sees Dimitri sitting by himself, and they have a little talk and start making some Game of Thrones references, which Daniel is down with, uh, the GOT. Now, when I rewatched this just a couple days ago, I couldn't help but kind of laugh to myself because... I'm trying to imagine what the conversation between Dimitri and Daniel would have been like after the series finale. Because for those of you who don't follow along with pop culture outside of Cobra Kai, this is probably the most controversial and divisive endings to a popular show since Lost. If not, probably more controversial than the ending to Lost. Do, what do you, do you think hear- that... Uh, what's that? I was going to ask, do you want to hear something crazy? Yeah. I still have not seen the finale. Um, I've seen it, but and I, and I know you're not supposed to say this. I don't watch Game of Thrones. Uh, it's always been on the background uh, while my wife has watched it. So I I saw the finale, but I have no idea what the context means. So oh, okay. I, I, you know, but I, I still plan to. But just to, just how everybody kind of reacted, I was like, ah, I'm I'm in no hurry. And surprisingly, I have not yet been spoiled. I mean, I know like one detail. Which mm-hmm. you know you could have gotten from the penultimate episode, but that's that's it. I, I really don't know how else it ends, and I, surprisingly, I have not been spoiled even on Twitter and everything. So, but it's funny leading up to it, people will spoil the hell out of every episode. But that finale, people felt some type of way about it. Nobody wanted to talk about it. So that's actually kind of impressive. Yeah, thank you. So, um, here I really like the moment between Daniel and Dimitri. You know, they, they, they find a, I, I don't know if you want to call Game of Thrones this here like a common bond, but I, I, I feel Daniel was able to make, you know, some comparisons to life and all of that stuff. And, and Dimitri kind of gets it here. Uh, and I do like how Daniel asks him to demonstrate the moves again, but this time slower. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, Daniel kind of sees uh, Dimitri as a bit of a kindred spirit. Here's a guy whose life's being, again, made miserable because of bullies at high school. Same thing that uh, Daniel went through. And he's just trying to help make things a little bit better for the guy. Right. Uh, Very interesting scene. Did not see this coming. But Moon and Hawk break up. And from the the conversation, basically, Moon is not happy that Hawk beat him up just over a Yelp review. Well, uh, again, I, I think that this episode was kind of drawing parallels between the events of season two and the events of the first Karate Kid, you know, where uh, Daniel found a kindred, spe- uh, kindred spirit with Dimitri, where he could kind of see himself in him. I, I kind of think that uh, Hawk is the modern equivalent of Johnny Lawrence. Mm-hmm. You know, he lost his girlfriend because... He got into a, a fight over something that's ultimately meaningless, but he still sees himself as the victim in all of this. Right. And I really like what Moon says. You know, she she likes the the look 
of Hawk. You know, she likes his muscles, you know, the tat and whatever, all of that stuff. But the fact that he's a bully, she can't get behind that at all. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. Hawk just lost uh, his girlfriend under very, very similar circumstances uh, when to Johnny losing Allie. Yep, absolutely. You know, neither one of them wanted to be around bullies. And Moon leaves, and then we follow Hawk into the back training room where he takes out his anger. Crease uh, watches from afar and then tells him that the fight isn't over until he says it's over. Yep. Kreese knows exactly what he has on his hands uh, when it comes to dealing with Hawk. He sees him as somebody who is filled with rage, very uh, susceptible to suggestion, and willing to follow orders without thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, he says as much. Basically, like, what I got from it, you're a cobra. You know, you, mm-hmm. get the, you get the last word. Exactly. So, we cut to Johnny and Carmen, and... Johnny tells Carmen the story of Daniel and how he made his life miserable. I like how we didn't get the conversation because we already got the conversation with him and Miguel, right? Mm -hmm. I believe episode eight, season one. So I'm sure he said the exact same things, right? Exactly. You know, Johnny is, again, looking at his uh, entire life as being a victim. Right. And he, he can't get past shit that happened 35 years ago. You know, and Carmen, she's seen this before. You know, she tells him that the things like this, they don't end well. And gives him some pretty solid advice here. It says the only way to end a rivalry is for someone to rise above it. Exactly. Exactly. Just, you know, let go of all that stuff. Yeah. She did mention, like, he sounds like a real jerk, this Daniel guy. <laughs> well, that was pretty funny. Though. I mean, again, if Johnny is telling her the same story that he told Miguel, then of course, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So, Tori and Miguel, uh, they're at a playground. It is late at night, after 10, and they watch the last flight out of Burbank. Yes. Uh, did this remind you of a particular movie seen by any chance, sir? Of course, Wayne's World. We've all seen yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 1038. I, I don't know what the reference is, and I'm, I'm sure there might be. There might not be, but, well, I'll have to ask next time. But, Miguel... You know, kills the mood by bringing up Sam. And again, that's natural. You know, he's uh, he's a teenage guy. You know, he's got his heart broken. Uh, but I don't think what Tori is saying is necessarily wrong. No, nope, no. Nope. You know, it's it's very similar to what Carmen is saying to Johnny, where you just got to let it go after a while. Right. Um, and Miguel makes a move, and they kiss. Now, we saw in season one, Sam and Miguel go on a date, even though it's not a date. Um, same thing could be said about this. This is actually more intimate. It's, mm-hmm. There's nobody else there. Neither of them have their phones out, right? So they're talking. They're getting to know one another. P- people don't do this anymore. And no. you mentioned you know, earlier that there was a lot of 80s reference. I don't think this is necessarily a reference, but I think for people our age... We remember a time when we used to play out at the playground, at the school, at somebody's house, you know, late at night, and just talking. Oh, yeah. You know? I remember just walking up and down the streets just talking. Mm-hmm. To who? Anybody that <laughs> uh, I was hanging out with, you know? Okay. All right. You know, whether they were friends or just random passersbys that, uh, you know, you know that didn't work out too often, but I still did it. Sure, sure. 
But um, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it it's something that I think is very relatable, you know, to our youths. Yeah, there's just something about that 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 I kind of miss. There's this song. Uh, I'm sure you, you're not familiar with it. Gosh, what is it? Is Warren G's this DJ? Are, have you? No, no, I, no I I do know who Warren G is, but oh, do you? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Um. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure it's the song this DJ. At one point, his line is the street lights just came on and my mom was in the street telling me to come home. You see, and it, it's kind of like this, this, this scene in the playground. You know, the, the, the lights are, you know, there's no lights. It's, it's not well lit at all. And it's just, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just rambling on. I, I really like this scene, though. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam and Robbie, they're back at the LaRusso's and having some sand moors uh, and almost kiss. But um, Robbie just doesn't want to ruin his situation. And I can understand that. I yeah yeah I could see where uh, you would want to be careful in that situation because let's say things don't work out between the two of you, where are you gonna stay? Right, absolutely. I mean, he just said, I mean, we we know what his living conditions was like before the Larusos, and exactly. Um, and with that eviction notice, they've gotten worse. If he wouldn't have the the Larusos, exactly. And he's very respectful here, but. You know, Sam you know, clearly would like a kiss, and so yeah, it got really awkward. And I'm I'm glad they addressed it too, because I think that's real world. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's kind of like exactly. Well, well, what do we do now? Because that's now it's awkward. <laughs> now we get one of the man the this scene right here, Miyagi Do. The, the 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 sign first off gets spray painted, and then we find out the the, the next morning or the next day. Um, that Hawkins, some of the other Cobras had vandalized inside and out. Uh, again, he's following orders without thinking about it. I, I don't know I about mean, following orders. I mean, he, he. I don't think he was told to go vandalize. Probably not in so many words, but you could tell that the seed was planted by Kree. Sure, sure. Th- this is this is where it really hit me, right? I mean, I, I think we all could sit here and say. Oh, I've seen the Karate Kid, you know, hundreds of times growing up. And then to see Miyagi's house, you know, the Miyagi Dojo, mm-hmm. look like that. The Medal of Honor, that drunk Miyagi scene. Yeah, that scene. in particular oh, man. was the gut punch. It It is a gut punch. Tom, you and I, we did a special uh, Miyagi-Do, not Miyagi-Do, uh, Staff Sergeant Miyagi episode for Veterans Day, where we talked about all the medals that he's earned, including the Medal of Honor. Mm-hmm. I'm a veteran myself, and I understand the value of one having earned that particular medal. You know, I, I know that maybe the common folk be like, yeah, Medal of Honor, that's a very high achievement. But um, I think having been in the military, like you... Well, I mean, you, you definitely have a, a closer perspective than I do as just a lifelong citizen. But to me, just the idea, uh, first of all, the idea of disrespecting anybody enough to break in and vandalize their house is awful, but to do that in particular to a, a veteran's family mm-hmm. is is horrible. Right. It, it kind of reminds me of, um, do you remember Wedding Crashers? Yes. Yeah, and at one point they were posing as like a Purple Heart recipients. You know, that, that, that didn't go well with a lot of people. No, no, that's not. You know, uh, stolen valor in particular is uh, rightfully called out when it's caught in in the act. Yeah, 
so man the, the this again this scene all the feels you know i i cried you know that very first time you know in in the subsequent rewatches i would get glassy eyed you, you mm-hmm. know just thinking about it uh, is you know getting me kind of choked up a little bit too mm-hmm. seeing the the yellow ford spray painted cobra kai never dies just everything trashed man looking the way it did um, I did before our recording uh, tweet at you know John Hurwitz because he had just started his Q and A right as we were starting our recording, and I, I asked him like you know about the their ideas and if there were any ideas that they had that were uh, never used. And I'm just checking my phone here, and he did reply. So uh, so this is kind of like almost a live response to my question, I guess oh, as nice. we're recording. Yeah. Uh, so I asked him. First off, I said, it looks like you all had a blast at the concert. Recently, there was a Cobra Kai concert in the um, LA area. And um, I'm curious about the vandalizing of Miyagi-Do. How did you guys decide what would be done? And were there any ideas that weren't used? He replies, we started with the idea that we wanted Daniel to be so upset at Cobra Kai that he'd march into the dojo and say what he said at the end of 205. For us, stealing the Medal of Honor and spray painting the car were moves that would get uh, Daniel to that point. And they succeeded. You know, I, I think they were very effective. But I was wondering, you know, if there were, I mean, I, I think I think it says it all in the answer right there. But uh, I was trying to see if there were any other ideas that they had that, that might hit the audience. You know, like, oh, damn, you guys did that too. Not just, the, you know, what would set Daniel off, but what might mm-hmm. get the audience members. So maybe from that answer, that's not what they were going with. You know, they they just wanted to get Daniel March into that dojo, right? Gotcha. But for me as an audience member, I'm wondering, oh, were they coming up, coming up with ideas that would give us a gut punch? You know, that's kind of where I was going with, 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 with my question. So I'm sure that played a factor into the writing. Oh, sure, sure. But I was, man... But what else do you do? You know, I, in, in Karate Kid Part 3, we already saw like bonsai trees like thrown onto the ground. So I don't mm-hmm. know. You know, you probably don't repeat that. Now, what did you think about Daniel's response to this? I mean, it, it was definitely justified and if anything restrained. But do you think that this was the correct way to handle it? Correct way to handle it. Um, yeah. I mean, at, th- at what point do you bring the police in? You're dealing with vandalism. You know, you're dealing with property damage and the way that they've been approaching this with the whole back and forth, it it just is encouraging further escalation. Okay. I mean, granted, you know, the police don't exactly make for a thrilling plot to a, you know, a a drama, but at what point do you think that they should have brought them in? Because I think that this was, this was, you know, where kind of everything started to tumble as far as the rest of the season is concerned. Yeah, okay. So this is what I would do if I was in Daniel's shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, I would tell Sam, call the police, mm-hmm. right? So a police report could be taken. But like Daniel, I would be in a fit of rage. Uh, I would drive to the Cobra Kai Dojo, walk in as as he did, probably keep my shoes on as well because um, any household where especially Asians you know where you don't wear shoes inside the house people like that they know how that is disrespectful mm-hmm. so I'm glad that Johnny points that out like you know you don't even take off your shoes when you come into my dojo you know disrespecting him I 
I feel Daniel already knew he wasn't going to strike first. He says as much as well um, in the mm-hmm. in, in the scene. And I think, you know, by Sam calling the cops, you got that covered. If they think anything's going to happen, they get to Cobra Kai. I'm just talking to the guy. I'm not happy about it. You know, I'm extremely angry, but mm-hmm. I'm not there to fight. You know, so I don't know if what he did was entirely wrong. I feel a lot of people would have done that. Oh, it's it's definitely understandable, but at the same time, it just kind of furthers that escalation. Right. And we are humans, and I feel a lot of us get very emotional in the heat of the moment. That's what we do. That's why there's mm-hmm. road rage, you know, and, oh, and yeah. all these other things. The whole thing about poaching the, the students, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm a little on the fence w- with that, but... Everything that I he's wouldn't even saying, say that the students were poached as much as this was another option. Exactly. For you. Yeah. It was. So it they, was, were, they weren't going to stick with Cobra Kai to begin with. This was just their escape hatch. Exactly. So it, it's all in in what he says. And if I did, you know, I'm pretty sure I didn't say it already. I, I I feel, you know, the big three. They they wrote this episode and it's fucking amazing. Uh, the the dialogue. Just the the structure of this particular story in this episode. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a. I mean, it's. I thought it was really cool to see the symmetry between all of these characters, how they're you know reflections of each other. I you know. I I just thought that mm-hmm. you know it was a very well put together episode. Very well done. Very well done. Uh, we saw an emotional Johnny where mm-hmm. he got choked up. This is an emotional Daniel. Very same thing, but with anger. Mm-hmm. He says the sensei is supposed to mentor and elevate, not teach destruction and disrespect. Very powerful words. You don't earn the Medal of Honor by stealing it. And the look on Johnny's face is like, okay, all right, there's something going on now. It wasn't you just barging into my dojo for no reason at all. The fact that he brings up like a stolen Medal of Honor. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is something happened here, you know, and, and he thinks he's one of his students, at, at least one. Which, I mean, you'd figure would make uh, Johnny just as justifiably angry at this, situa- this situation because it's making his dojo look bad. Right. And, of course, he's not going to, you know, out any of his students right then and there because then... Oh, that- not in front of Daniel. Oh, no, exactly. No, you can't show any kind of weakness. Nope. Not in front of Daniel. Not in front of... Mm, I don't know about Kreese. He's already shown weakness in front of Kreese. Um Yeah. But, yeah. Um, Daniel does say the doors are open at Miyagi. Uh, Miyagi-Do. And I just love the part where it's like, you know, I'm not going to strike first. Mm-hmm. You know, but Johnny, he's going to be the bigger man. And a handful of Cobras walk outside the, uh, walk out that door too, including one of the Ginger Twins. Yeah. Uh, and you were left with a very smug looking crease. Yep. Yep. Uh, Chris, you know, who I, I said was probably the Bobby Brown of this generation. He, he didn't even want to be there. You know, this, like you said, this is his escape hatch, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll see him Miyagi-Do next episode. So that's it. We got the end, end snake. Yep. Uh, we definitely got, uh, we definitely popped out at us for sure. Yep. So great episode. Um, loved it. No, uh, uh, probably one of the better ones of the season up to this point, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say that. Um, and what we learned from Josh Heald in his interview, uh, and for the listeners, if you guys haven't heard that uh, episode where he came back on his own to talk about a hot tub time machine. We mm-hmm. found out in that interview that um, the way season one was structured was episode five 
was like a mid-season finale, right? So if you mm-hmm. if you look at this, he also directed five and six season two. I can see this also again being the mid-season finale. Boom, episode six. It feels like it. It yeah, definitely does. It really does. So um, clearly that they're sticking with the format and the structure of uh, what they did with season one as well. Um, it's not broke. Don't so fix good. it. Exactly. So good. Yeah. So good. Um, all right. So we've reached the point in the episode where we're going to bring Brianna in to talk about her Easter eggs. Let me tell you about my first girlfriend. Hey, Brianna. Welcome back. Hello, Peter. How are you? Ah, uh, well, you know, inside baseball, it's been, gosh, a, a little over a week since Tom and I recorded our re- review. Um, life gets in the way, as you know, but, I mean, you know how I'm doing. I do, I do. Yeah, how, how are you doing? Um, kind of cursing having bosses, but happy to have a job, so... <laughs> yes. Um, I'm, I'm back to the whole doing two full-time jobs, mine and someone else's, and Yikes. just just getting paid for mine, so, you know... Everything's normal. Well, speaking of having things, do you, you have a name for the uh, your segment? I do. Yeah, it's you know I I got to give a um you know kudos to to the group because the, the the last time we did this and you came on you know to do your segment we um put a call out to you know the groups and listeners what have you say hey give us some suggestions and they really came through didn't they? They did. There were some fantastic recommendations on there i loved so many of them yeah um i i I did finally pick one out of there um i'm going to pretend the what was it creaster eggs we're just Uh. not (laughs) even going to acknowledge that his name was mentioned in conjunction with mine at all other than the fact that i just mentioned it but you know so what i settled on was justin r had recommended something about hey she's using real eggs and then Hal L suggested spelling real R E E L. So that okay. is what it is. Real Breeze, eggs. Yep, Breeze using real eggs. I like it. And for those that uh, don't remember, it's a reference to the first movie during the dance where there was a chicken who was using real eggs, who is actually wholly responsible for everything that happened to Daniel from that moment on. It is I would all agree. And oh, I just the accident completely in the parking lot. Accident? There was no accident in the parking lot. <laughs> okay. There was a multi-car collision in the middle of the road. <laughs> right. Well, you are speaking of somebody you know that works in the field of car collision. So there, there you go. Yes. 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 And I, I, but I just forgot. Um, I just completely forgot who played that kid. He was a singer's little brother. Oh, interesting. And um, I well, completely you know, forgot. It happens. Now it's like right on the it's like right on the tip of my tongue and it's driving me nuts. Not gonna I lie. Can't... You're probably one of five people that know that. Oh no, 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 no. Um hang on. I'm actually gonna look this up real quick because this is driving me nuts. And he Mike Lookinland. Uh huh. He's Mike he's Mike Lookinland's little brother. His name is Todd Lookinland. Um Got it. Bobby Brady. Oh, yes. He's Bobby Brady's little brother. I that why is that last name does not ring a bell? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Because you're not old enough to have watched the Brady Bunch the first yes, time I, through. I, I, okay, well, not, I I saw a lot of episodes though. On TBS just, in the 80s, that doesn't count. <laughs> uh I saw the movies. 
I dressed like those people <laughs> at the time that those people were dressing like those people. So, yeah. Hey, th- that was it was pretty groovy. It was pretty groovy. Um, I thought it right, was. So, but... so Brie uses real eggs. Yes. Okay. All right. So we're here. Now, um, there was a suggestion I made. I don't know if you were gonna uh, mix in like the idea of my suggestion where I said you know like Brianna breaks all six or you know something like that well then I could only have six and there are so many more than six in every okay, episode all right. nope I I because uh, you commented so I was only I was, I'm merely bringing it up is all not a suggestion just bringing it up I mean yeah. I could but no. I don't know which six to pick you know because they're all really good <laughs> Sure thing. I mean, th- th- everything is always good. I but think you're just I, trying I, to shut me up. <laughs> that's not it at all. Hey, I would get. You have your own segment here. <laughs> I do. I do. All right. So give it to us. Okay. So we start off with. Um, I don't know if it, it. I wouldn't necessarily call it an Easter egg, but it's definitely tied into season one. We see the other half of the phone call that Counselor Blatt was talking about in the cafeteria with Eli's mm-hmm. mom. Yep. And Jacob Bertrand absolutely destroyed me in that scene. I was bawling so hard by the end of it. He yeah, did a fantastic job. Absolutely. Um, and then we go to modern day Hawk and just, you know, a, a, a little bit of a, a harbinger. Um, tattoos of your significant other's name on your body rarely end well. Yeah, Tom mentioned that. Yeah, um, I've got my husband's name on my ankle, and it's been there since I was 19, but even my father was like, what are you doing? What are you going to do if you break up? I'm marrying the guy in six months. I'm not I'm not no. going to break up with him. Thanks, Dad. Okay, so then we've got Daniel and Dimitri, and starting Dimitri's training. Daniel with a, a smile on his face when Dimitri's going through the square footage of the fence and everything. Um, he says, well, you forgot about the other side. So there's the both sides thing again, just like we had both lots in season one. When they're standing on the front porch, um, Daniel and Dimitri, Daniel is doing the wheel technique. So that answers the question, does he know how to do it? Yes, he does. Mm -hmm. Because he's standing there doing it by himself, but he's doing it. Right. Dimitri saying he has trouble maintaining balance. Hope that's not an issue. And at this point, my brain starts going, you know, they're focusing a lot on Daniel and Dimitri. And I, I was trying to figure out the reason why. And then the music starts and they're playing Training Hard from the Karate Kid Part 1 over Dimitri's training. They're playing Daniel's music over Dimitri's training. Um, and then you start paying attention to their clothes. Daniel and Dimitri always match. When they're painting the fence, Daniel has on a green shirt that is the exact same color as Dimitri's hoodie. When they're doing the wheel, they're both in blue. When they're painting the house, they're both in gray. When they're sanding the floor, they're both in blue. And when they're doing the breathing technique, they're both wearing teal. Interesting. So, at this point, pay attention, because the anvil we're being smacked with is Dimitri is going to become Daniel. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. I can't see any other reason for them to have done that much hammering in the similarities between them. Right. Except for what happens later in the same episode. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, You know, when you and I, we covered that very first um, official trailer, I mentioned that I, you know, I'm not one to typically keep an eye on like color schemes and stuff when 
becomes a wardrobe. So that's very interesting that you picked up on that. Yeah, and it was like, I think it when I finally picked up on it was when they were painting the house. And I was like, they're both wearing gray. And then I went back and I started looking and they, they match in every outfit that they have on. And it's like, okay, there's a reason for this. You don't just dress these two characters on the screen in the exact same color accidentally. Right. They, uh, they're probably a lot more similar than one would think, you know. Um, I mean, they, they both get down with GOT. This is true. They're both giant nerds, which is refreshing to see and to hear. Yeah, yeah. Um, then we go back to the Cobra Kai, the reverse chokehold. Duh, everybody knows what that is because it's the same two characters doing the exact same move. Only this one ends a whole heck of a lot better where Johnny gets the chance to actually not crease on his ass for choking him. Mm-hmm. Um, then to Applebee's, where apparently these children live. Um, and we find out that Yasmin got the exit story that Allie was supposed to get, which is the going to Paris. Oh, okay. I don't think I knew that. Allie was supposed to break up with Daniel for the summer. Yeah. Because she was going to Paris and he was staying in California. Which is funny because... I think a lot of us were maybe, ironically, shipping Dimitri and Yasmin at the end of the uh, first season. Oh, yeah. Okay. There we go. <laughs> I think that's probably an accidental. Okay. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I could I could see that. If Yasmin comes back, I could see her being all about Dimitri all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for, for those that are newer listeners, um, I did get a chance to speak with uh, Annalisa Cochran. Uh, I think in that interview, we kind of... Uh, joked about, you know, maybe Dimitri having picked up Yasmin. Um, also, listener uh, Gertie Licious, uh, Gertie Licious Art on Instagram, she wrote a fanfic about that idea. So, Oh, I'll have to look mm-hmm. that one up and read it. Yeah. Um, the only time that Daniel and Dimitri don't match is when Daniel gets mad at him. Sort of. As mad as Daniel can get at anybody, I guess, who's not Johnny. With the, uh, why are you even here? But then this is the story where we find out just how much these two do have in common. And then to the mall, there's the Patrick Swayze Easter egg with Robbie's middle name being Swayze. We're not going to get into the whole Patrick Swayze outsiders connection because I I already blew up the universe with that theory. And I don't want to watch it fall in on itself again. Robbie's first name, of course, is Robert, which is also the long form of the name Bobby. Yes. So it's not a stretch to imagine that Robbie was named after Bobby. Before Dimitri leaves the table, the way the the whole thing is shot, and this happens multiple times during the mall fight, it says Eli on the wall. Hmm. It says it. it, Yes, the deli. And it's shot in such a way that you can't see the D around the pole. Now, I don't know whether they ever did that intentionally or not. But especially like when Eli is coming stalking toward him and it says Eli right above his right shoulder. Mm -hmm. It's perfectly framed whether they did it on purpose or not. I love it. There in the food court is a place called D'Antonio's Pizza. There is a D'Antonio's Pizza. It's in Philadelphia, but that's not their logo. And I don't know of any connection to Philadelphia. So if that means something, I don't know what it is. Kids spend a lot of time at Applebee's because we were back at Applebee's again. When Johnny goes looking for Robbie, he parks in Daniel's parking spot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> which I, I thought that was fantastic. I forgot all about that too. LaRusso Luxury Motors is now an Enterprise rental affiliate. Great big Enterprise on the wall above Anoush, which I yep. thought was wonderful product placement. Yep, a little connection to the, the uh, commercial with the uh, booster seat and the stuff. Yes, the booster seat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, uh, Anoush almost died up on that billboard because of the shit you pulled. Literal. <laughs> Um, those in my new pair of Oxfords. I do want to know, though, when did Robbie work at North Hollywood? Because Johnny said that Robbie had been working there, that he'd been to three other dealerships, and they told him Robbie had been working there. Robbie worked hmm. at the main dealership, the one that Anoush wanted to go back to, didn't he? I, I assumed that where Anoush was, that was the same location. No, because he griped about being in North Hollywood. He said he's not a North Hollywood guy. He doesn't react well to tattoos. Got it. Yeah, I, I don't know the locations. Yeah, and that's part of the reason that he ended up going with Tom Cole was because they wouldn't let him go back to Encino. I think yeah, it was Encino. Tom, Tom and I were discussing that because we were wondering why did he not go to that uh, location first where Anoush was? Because, uh, again, we both I think we both assumed that that was the main location because it's like well you were there in the very first episode in season one how why did you go to a different location so so that, that's something that we didn't pick up on right right johnny would have gone to the one where he first ran into daniel because right, right. that's and, where robbie was working right and, and that's and that's what tom and i we both thought that's where that was where anush was so that's something that we completely missed okay yeah <laughs> back to the the comic book store and when Hawk's Mohawk shows up over the back of the the um, bookcase, the music that Jaws. starts Jaws. starts just like Jaws. It's like the dun, you know, like you expect the dun, 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 dun to happen as he walks across. Thankfully, it doesn't, but it starts that way. Dimitri calls him Eli, which is part of what pisses Hawk off. Right. I love that he calls Mitch and Chris Rocksteady and Bebop. Which they look very confused. Yes. They have no clue who he's talking about. Eli knows exactly who he's talking about. Yeah, Tom thinks that they missed out on the um, the Michael Bay movies. Purposely. <laughs> I was going to say, I, 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 uh, I wish I had. Right. You know? And then, of course, the other two, the kid that we call not Frank, and, and then the other one walk up behind him and suddenly Dimitri has himself a five-on-one problem. Mm -hmm. And then No Shelter is playing and yes hello dimitri is daniel that's right so they were selling it the whole episode and and it happens and it's wonderful there is no car crash in the middle of the street but he does pretty well trash the mall yes he Knocks doesn't things over yeah yeah he doesn't jump a fence but he jumps over a rack of sunglasses that he knocked over chris is in this scene chris is bobby oh, because yeah. he's the one that. yeah that's trying to talk them down and then Hawk with the who told you to think instead of the I'll decide when he's had enough man. Right. This could not have been more perfectly paralleled to the Halloween fight, but at the same time, so different from it. I thought that was like, you can see it, but it's not the same, you know? Right. It Hashtag was different, but same. Exactly. Exactly. But wonderfully done because like, you know, what's coming, but you don't really know what's coming. Right. The music, when Eli catches up to um, 
Dimitri there in the food court, the music that's playing when it starts is also from the Halloween fight. It's a song called Miyagi Rattles Bones. It's the music that starts playing when he jumps over the fence. You mean Spider-Man? Yeah, when (laughs) Spider-Man jumps over the fence. So you kind of know that someone's about to show up to the rescue, and they do, and then, of course, we go to the the modern music rather than the, the Karate Kid music. Not an Easter egg, but a plot point. Robbie and Sam do execute the wheel technique, and they do it perfectly. Yep. There is a coffee cup on the table! Oh, no! Except I think ours is supposed to be there. Oh, you're talking about a Starbucks? Yeah. <laughs> ah. Hey, I get that reference. To see? That's a Captain America line. I didn't watch Game of Thrones enough to know, but I even caught the Starbucks coffee cup sitting on the, the table at the big banquet thing, you know? It, yeah. was, it was such a huge, huge deal. So I was like, oh, there's a coffee cup on the table. Oh, no. I think by the time uh, my wife and I watched it, they had already taken care of it. Oh, they'd already pulled it out? Yeah, I think so. I, I think that's what happened because I, I remember seeing like the you know people posting it on Facebook and stuff. But by the time we watched it, it, it I didn't see anything that stood out. Oh, okay. Um, I think it was just the people that watched the live viewing, um, could be it, yeah. and probably only on the East Coast. Okay, so the next one is definitely an Easter egg, but it's an Easter egg turned on its head when Daniel comes running back into the kids. And he's talking to them, making sure they're okay. He says, just because we train to fight doesn't mean I ever want to see you in a fight. Mm. No. No. Karate is fighting. We train to fight. And Mr. Miyagi looks at him and says, is that what you think? Well, apparently, 35 years later, that is still what Daniel thinks. Right. Even though Miyagi had hope for him when he said that the point was to train so he didn't have to fight fight right but now he says that they train to fight he's so lost dimitri's barely wax offline just kills me (laughs) um the got references i know of course who daenerys targaryen and Jon snow are i have no clue who dimitri said he was uh sam tarley yeah i have no clue who these people are he's uh he's he's basically Jon snow's friend very close friend Oh, okay. Well, yeah, he's the one who reveals his lineage uh, in the in the last uh, well, the last season. I, I don't remember which episode, but that's neither here nor there. Is that when he finds out he's not Ned's son? Right. I need to watch this show. Although apparently I would hate the <laughs> I, I, apparently I would hate the end of it. So maybe I'll just save myself the trouble. Well, funny enough, uh, Tom and I uh, were uh, in, in this review. I revealed that I still have not yet seen the actual finale. So I've seen everything but, and I've I've yet to have been spoiled. So surprisingly, uh, yeah, I don't know what happens in the last episode. I know what happens in the last episode, and <laughs> I don't even watch the damn show. See, <laughs> How are you can, avoiding uh, well, this? We, we're, we're balancing each other out. That's what's going on here. Okay, I'm soaking up your spoilers because I don't yeah. need them and don't care. Yes. Okay, that's mm-hmm. what we'll say. Um, the down with, down with G.O.T., the 80s, 90s part of my brain goes, that's OPP. Yep. And I just saw Nutted by Nature, so we're all connected. Yep. There we go. Eli and Crease in the back room. Ah, uh, yeah. With Crease creeping around the door and with him leaning forward, getting up in his face. That is a very Terry and Daniel vibe. Yeah. That's going off between these two. 
the the uh, younger, weaker, vulnerable child with this incredible manipulator right in his face, you know. Uh, of course, he has no choice but to do what this person is telling him because it doesn't even occur to him that this person is leading him astray. So, but Crease is so manipulative in and of himself, and knowing now that that was supposed to be Crease with Daniel all along in Karate Kid 3, I don't know if it's necessarily that they're bringing the Terry vibe back in, or that was just supposed to be Crease the whole time. Hmm. Yeah, couldn't say, right. Which I will say, it would have been a thousand times better movie if Martin Cove had been able to be in the whole thing. Yep, I mean it was that was that was all supposed to be him. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, Daniel falling for someone he didn't know is one thing. Daniel falling under Crease's spell would have been completely different. Oh yeah, I agree. Uh, again, for the newer listeners, we did speak with uh, Martin Cove. Uh, gosh, I don't know, sometime late last year, I think it was, and he talks about how there was no Terry Silver, and they only created that character because he wasn't able to uh, get out of his TV situation at that at that time. Yeah, stupid contract disputes, man. Just let them go do their thing. Yeah. Robbing us all of fantastic movies. Um, Johnny still only remembers half the story of the first movie. Because when he tells Carmen, he once again leaves out all the shit he did to Daniel. You know, when he's when he's remembering, he remembers Daniel punching him in the nose and he remembers this and he remembers he doesn't remember kicking him in the ribs. He doesn't remember, you know, busting his face open. None of this stuff. Of course not. No. Tori knocking Miguel back to the ground in the park, kind of similar to Sam flipping him around at golf and stuff. Oh, right. Yeah. And then we've got Robbie and Sam sitting in front of the fireplace, grilling the, you know, making the s'mores and with the marshmallows and everything. And then in the first movie, we had the kids all making their hot dogs over the fires at the beach. Right. Let me ask you something. Is it Sam Moores? Yes. S-A-M. My stupid closed caption called it Sand Moores. So I said Sand Moores in our review. (laughs) Okay. That's twice in this episode now. Okay. The closed captioning, whoever types up these closed captions, does not pay as much attention to the words coming out of the characters' mouths as they probably should. Right. Because back during different but same, when the kids are at Nestor's, and Eli is trying to prove that he's old enough to be buying alcohol... He points at Bert and he says, that's my freaking kid right there. Okay. That makes sense. Other than, you know, Bert's reaction, like, what the hell, dude? I'm two years younger than you. But. That's my friend's kid. Yeah. The closed captioning says, that's my friend's kid. That proves nothing. Exactly. See, see, same thing. Um, Again, inside baseball here. For those that are listening in the review, Tom and I, we were like, well, who's Jen that Johnny called? Well, after the actual recording, we took it to the group and Twitter, and it was Shan that mm-hmm. Johnny called. But, you know, I listen, I, I watch everything on closed caption, and I read most of the text so I can understand what's going on. Um, and because I do that, I some of my information is incorrect. So it's not sandwiches, it's, or I'm sorry, Sandmores, it's Sam Moores. And then it's Shan, not Jen, that Johnny calls. So... Ugh. 
I, I don't know. Facepalm emoji. I, uh, yeah, I, which is your favorite. You're very good at that one. Um, I, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I don't know if closed captioning on the premium shows is open to the public like it is on other videos. Hmm. Um, because I've honestly never tried. But someone on one of my videos, it was, it was hilarious. They, someone had gone in and typed up captions for one of my music videos. Oh, interesting. And the line is equal, par- equal parts hot air and gall. And it's Johnny talking to Daniel. And they had typed equal parts hot air and God. Oh, interesting. That's funny. So, you know, they had Johnny calling Daniel God. And it was hilarious, but it's so not the words to the song. So I went well, and fixed I mean, it. Daniel did it. So I mean, uh, Johnny <laughs> said it. So <laughs> who's going to correct him? Right. But I don't know if I don't know if closed captioning is open to the public like that on right. premium mm. or if this is like one of their transcribers, because my son actually works as a transcriber for YouTube, too. Oh, cool. and yeah, I don't know if they're just getting put through without QC, maybe. I don't know, but they definitely need to fix them. Uh, tearing up the garden, you know, the torn up garden in, in Okinawa. Part two. Yeah. When Daniel's standing there looking, you know, or Robbie's standing there looking, and the pots are all knocked over and everything, you know. I did write this down. John Hurwitz and and Josh Heald both set my mind very at ease because the the headband box is open, and Mr. Miyagi's picture is shoved into it, and that made me very scared for the headband. But they both swear to me that it's okay. Daniel found it under a tatami mat, and everything's fine. All right. Daniel jumps in his car to take off, and the last time he got in that car in anger, really, really bad things happened. But luckily this time he didn't go to the cops and, you know, didn't end up with Mike Barnes in his backyard, so he handled this one a little bit better anyway, Mm -hmm. I guess. Shaking from head to toe and he couldn't even talk, but I guess he handled it better. And then the the showdown, of course, between Johnny and, and Daniel at the dojo with Kreese standing between them. And he has been there before. Right. Standing between them before. So, yeah. And that's where we end it. Well. All right. Sort Great of. Great eggs. <laughs> Real eggs. Yeah, yeah. 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 My favorites out of this, my, my favorites probably have to be all of the Daniel and Dimitri parallels. To the point yeah. that they were using Daniel's music for Dimitri. I kind of love that. Because I've still got that personal theory that Daniel thinks Mr. Miyagi sent Dimitri. So, right. yeah. I like that. I, I want to um, mention something that you, you said to me. Because after Tom and I recorded this, I was just... You know, this this that, this particular episode is so emotional. Like, I think back to the flashback of... You know, when they show us the night of Daniel's birthday and he chooses, you know, which car and, you know, and then they cut that in with the spray painted, you know, on the side there. Um, I think that's kind of what set it off for me, that particular moment. And I mentioned to you after the recording, like, I hate this episode, blah, 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 blah. And you go, well, I love it because it hurts. And yes. I think that that describes it perfectly. It does hurt. It- yeah. Because here are all these things that we love so right. much, and they're all destroyed. And here is this child who we also all love, who did it. So it like it rips you in half at this point because you realize that Eli is gone, 
Right. Hawk is in control. Daniel, at this point in the season, has lost literally everything he has left of Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. It's all gone. And Johnny just lost half his students. So it's... It, it, everyone is in pain. Everyone. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. I guess they had recorded this or filmed this expecting that there was a possibility that they were going to release five episodes at a time. So this would have been like the mid-season break. Yeah, we mentioned that. That's something that um, Josh Heald actually mentioned uh, in his interview, his uh, standalone for when when he came on to talk about um, Hot Tub Time Machine in the two episodes he recorded, five and six, which he also did this season. Oh. Yep. Oh, those are both his? Yep. (laughs) Same thing with season two. And so after I watched five and six live, I tweeted, I think I tweeted at him immediately. I'm like, you know, I, I forget, I forgot what I said, but I basically referenced like, oh, you did five and six again. And here we are basically a kick in the nuts. <laughs> uh, yeah. One right after the other. It's like, I can't imagine having had to wait after five, after the, after the, I can't imagine having had to wait to see what happened to everybody. Yeah. Because Johnny's reaction to it is perfect. Yeah, Daniel uh, pulls himself up by his bootstraps and just fixes it all by himself. Mm-hmm. Didn't have any of the kids help him. But that's a very personal thing for him. That's right. not a karate lesson. That's him restoring his life. Right. I like that. I love Johnny's, like, it's there, but he doesn't want it to be protectiveness of Daniel. Like, when he finds out somebody trashed the dojo, he gets way more pissed about it than Daniel did about, you know, Johnny's car getting caught on fire, so... Yeah, well, also the Medal of Honor, I think. That's when, you know, he realizes, like, oh, okay, so he's not just blowing smoke. Right, right, and it's... it. it he was, like, Johnny was angry, but holding himself back before that, and he's up in his face, and Daniel can't even talk. Right. And like his words are stuck in his throat. He's shaking from head to toe. And when Johnny steps back, yeah, he says, I'm going to be the bigger man. And it seems like, you know, maybe he's just doing it to need. I don't think he's doing it to needle him. Mm -hmm. I think he's doing it because he knows Daniel doesn't have the strength to do it. At that particular point, Daniel's not going to step back. Yeah, I wonder what's the matter. Does does he have trouble breathing? Um, no, that's no, Johnny's thing. That... <laughs> <laughs> that's Johnny's thing. I, that that whole last scene, that whole I could go on forever about sure. that that scene in the dojo because it's it is painful and but it's yeah. painful in a wonderful wonderful way. Yeah, everyone just needs to re-experience it for themselves. Several times. Yeah, yeah. All More right. than two dozen, and still feel it. And as usual, those are amazing finds, um, and some of which we touched on, but we're going to have these overlaps. You know, you're going to definitely uh, cue, cue in, key in to more things than Tom and I would. Obviously, you picked up on this being a different location, uh, the LaRusso motor, um, and we didn't. So things like that. And that's why we have uh, Brianna uses all Wait, uses uses all six. Um, <laughs> uses real eggs. There real you go. eggs. R-E-E-L. Real eggs. That's right. R double E L. Yes. Um, all right. So that concludes that part, and now we're gonna jump into our group page and read some of the feedback that our members left. 
Um, looks like we got a pretty good amount in here, so we're going to kind of do this rapid fire style because uh, we got a few Twitter comments as well. Uh, so I'll jump in here with the first member uh, and listener, Mike P. I know nothing about tattoos, but if Hawk got red ink placed over his pre-existing blue ink, wouldn't it be purple? Speaking of Hawk in the opening scene, wow, kudos to Jacob B. for establishing how much Eli has transformed in less than a year. I really like the Hawk Dimitri storyline throughout this season and hope it continues as Dimitri tries to pull his old friend back to the light side of the force, similar to Miyagi Sato. You know Dimitri is eventually going to have to make an extremely drastic move. In quotations, hello Mrs. Moskowitz. Uh, is it, it is Moskowitz, right? I, I think I said both Moskowitz and Moskowitz. Moskowitz is Fievel. I know. I love American Tale. <laughs> it's Moskowitz. Yeah, I think I said that because of Fievel. But, I, um, I have a stuffed Fievel sitting on my dresser. He doesn't have his hat anymore. It fell off. But I've had him since, what, 1985, 1986. When, when I was a kid, I wanted—I uh, had the idea of making— not a live version of an American tale, but a people version of an American tale. Instead of, you know, mice, you're using minorities coming from the quote-unquote old country. I could see that. Yeah, period movie, yeah. Um, all right, he continues. Okay, last one, Moon. I applaud that she does not want to date a bully, but this is the same woman who was besties with Yasmin, laughed at Aisha, and turned her back on Sam. Yes, she apologized, but she still follows Yaz on Instagram. Perhaps she could have given Hawk more of a break, given her given her own pass rather than outright leaving him and all men, apparently. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I, I see where Mike's going with like the, the, the bully angle. Well, first off, um, yeah, Tom and I, we kind of, I don't know if we really debated over the purple ink. I know you and I, we discussed that in our trailer reaction. Uh, I agree. Jacob uh, Bertrand did an amazing job in that open, and but but you know, Moon. I, I'm sure Yasmin wasn't always a bully, so I think you know maybe Moon and Yasmin were friends early on, um, but obviously we saw towards the end of season one, you know she yeah apologized to Aisha, and um, I guess they have forgiven Sam for what she did with Kyler. I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, even though yeah. it was nothing, or maybe she just finally realized that, you know, Kyler was the liar the whole time. Yeah, I, I mean, just like everybody else has been saying this season, I'm sure Moon and Sam at some point cleared the air. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's what I'm going to say about that. But, um, you know, I, I, I guess also like, she still follows uh, Yasmin, but I, I totally get that. I don't think they had a falling out. You know, she, Yasmin is who she is, and I don't think Sam's going to, like, not hang out with her anymore just because she disagrees with some of the things that Yasmin does. Right. Moon, not Sam. Moon, yes. Sorry. Um, Too many characters. Yeah. Um, as far as Moon following Yasmin on Instagram, I follow people still on Instagram and Twitter that I'm not exactly fans of. Yeah, me too. I mean, at some point, I'm sure we were all fine acquaintances and, you know, maybe had a falling out. I still follow. Yeah, yeah. And some I block, but, es you know. <laughs> especially, yeah, especially, like, in my real life, my real world, which is in no way tied to any of my fandom stuff whatsoever. I'm a politician. I'm on the city council. 
So when people friend me on Facebook, I have to keep them. Mm. If I, you know, would like to keep getting elected. So <laughs> um, I can't tell my constituents that they're all a bunch of assholes and block them all. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> I like to see that happen. Right. I came I came very, very close, which is why I'm very rarely on my real life Facebook anymore. Mm-hmm. All right. So next up is Jesse K. Uh, Robbie hook kicking Hawk in mid flight at the end of the mall fight. Kicks do get chicks. Hats off to the fight choreography. There are some legit cool spots in this season. Oh, yeah. The choreography yeah. in this fight. I, I love that they are both protecting Dimitri and using him as a prop. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that Robbie pulls him down and Sam goes across his back. And then at one point, like Robbie grabs the back of his shirt and pulls him away from Mitch and then turns around and backhands someone else while he's still holding him. Some uh, Jackie Chan type stuff. There. Yeah, I, 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 I love it. The choreography is just phenomenal. Emmy worthy. <laughs> absolutely. If he is not nominated, I will riot. And if right. he is nominated and does not win, I'm just We're writing take this to the mall. all Emmy voters off forever. Like I said, the Teen Choice Awards are already dead to me this year because, you know, Sholo and Tanner and Mary and them aren't in there anywhere. Yeah. And that's just insane. All right. Next one is Ron Y. Brawl in the mall. Hashtag Brawl in the mall. Indeed it was. Uh, he continues, there's a shot where we see Hawk's mohawk poking up from behind the comic book shelf as he approaches Dimitri to beat him up. It was evocative of a shark fin sticking out of the water, and I couldn't help but think it was an intentional reference to Jaws, which we agreed. Or, you know, you brought it up, I agreed with you. Yeah, it, it the, the music and everything else is just perfect for that. Alright, so then we've got uh, Dorian T. Oh, he's got several too. Okay. This, oh wow. He's got several and they're long. Are you ready to listen to me babble? Oh, here we go. All right. This whole episode was a mix of triumph and heartbreak. Number one, Eli's flashback scene broke my heart. No offense to Eli's mum, but making an announcement does not help. It's like putting Petrol on a fire. Not a good idea. And at this point, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Dorian is British. Uh, Australian. Ah, okay. Close enough. <laughs> um, except nowhere near each other, but... no. Close enough as in their spellings and use of words. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, number two. Oh, and there's a U in color. So, yeah, definitely. The color change of Hawk's hair is definitely a nod to Buffy the Vampire Slayer favorite Spike. He wore red clothes when he was evil, blue when he was good, and black when he was in between. Did you see Dorian's, um, I don't know if you want to call it a meme or basically the reference that he's talking about here? No, and I never watched Buffy. I thought that blue for good and red for evil was pretty universal, though. It, it kind of is, um, and I didn't watch Buffy either, but I did see it, and I, I can see where he's going with it. I can definitely understand it. Yeah. I can, but then, like, you know, you, you, you watch, I don't know if you want to, you know, dig Star Wars canon into it. The New Republic is blue, and the First Order is red. That's right, and the lightsabers. Right. Um, well, Luke's was green that he built himself. Anakin's was blue, but... Yeah, sure, if you want to bring up Mace Windu with purple. <laughs> which there. was just because Sam Jackson was like, Sam, I want yeah. a damn purple lightsaber, and they're like, okay, you're Sam Jackson, you can have a purple lightsaber. 
Yeah, I was Mr. Glass, damn it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> then number three, when Dimitri is being chased and no shelter is being played, as he reaches the food court, there's a small glimpse of the 84 Oh, okay. Small glimpse of the 84 score entitled Miyagi Rattles Bones uh, used during the Halloween fight scene in the original. They sync the two tracks together. Um, Number four, the wheel technique scene combined with the mall fight gave me goosebumps. It was so 80s. Love it. Which the whole mall vibe is total 80s. I mean, most of the malls that exist now are empty, abandoned, you know, subjects of uh, photo documentaries and photo spreads and things like that because they're all creepy and have trees growing through them and stuff. Ah, not ours. Ours are actually still pretty popular. Um, but I, I guess to kind of add to the whole 80s thing, uh, like immediately after the fight, they told Dimitri like they still saved his chicken. Well, yeah, but he told him to, see. Right. But he told I, him I not to throw his chicken away. Yeah, I, I know, but do, I mean, I guess one could still do that in real life. Yes. Right, IRL. So, uh, Number five, seeing Miyagi-Do trashed was horrible to watch. You can feel Daniel's pain, especially with the Mr. Miyagi bonsai mm-hmm. flashback. Mm-hmm. Yep. Number six, Daniel was justified in blasting Johnny for what happened to Miyagi-Do. Let me explain. Yes, it's Crease and Hawk's fault. However, it is Johnny's responsibility as a sensei to keep his students in line. Powerhouse acting from Ralph and Billy in this episode. The Medal of Honor line hit home for me. The way Ralph delivers that line destroys me every single mm-hmm. time I hear it. Yeah, yeah, his voice cracks. It, yeah, like he can't even get it out. It's choked up. This scene was a turn for both characters. Daniel has become more confident in confrontation. This is very true. He's not shy. Well, the first episode. Yeah, and Johnny has developed a strong resilience to violence, um, probably meant to be resistance. You can tell Johnny wants to be better. This is another example that the mums on this show are everyone's backbone. Go Team Carmen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I am. Yes, ab- yes Carmen. Number seven. <laughs> Daniel is developing a surprisingly close bond with Dimitri. Their Game of Thrones banter was a nice touch. Loved watching him learning sand the floor and complaining the entire time. The splinter kills me. Daniel's like, <laughs> what, what, what? And then it's just a splinter. And he's like, really, dude? <laughs> you know, it's like Anthony with the pancake taco in uh, season one fun, fun yeah. fact for I, I feel like I brought this up in our companion mailbag episode um, for anybody that's interested in learning more about Tom and I we did a, a mailbag episode and I feel like I brought up one of my nicknames that I had in the military was Master Splinter I do remember you saying that yeah actually I think it was Master Splinter so but anyway yes I had a leadership position and I was kind of quiet oh okay I think it was more of an Asian joke. So Probably. Either that <laughs> yeah. or they thought you were a rat, one or the other. I'm not quite uh, sure. I, yeah, probably the former. I, I'd hope. I'd hope the, the former. You'd rather it was an Asian joke than they thought you were a rat? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, next from Dorian. Oh, and Hawk getting a moon tattoo made me cringe. Never get, a, never get a tattoo of your partner, ever. It's evident as to why with the breakup. Inkwise, it's forever, but emotionally it's not. And then, again, just remembered, Chris reminds me of Bobby. He has that same peaceful, compassionate side, and his hesitance to chase Dimitri is evident Love Khalil's performance. And this is why Dorian is a moderator of the group. He, he Yeah, he touched on everything that has been touched on. Yeah, yeah, pretty well. Yeah. The next one comes from 
everybody's favorite Cobra Kai dad, Kevin, Kevin C. Um, he says, personally, I felt very emotional during the aftermath of the vandalism of Miyagi-Do. The pain that Daniel felt seeing that the Medal of Honor was stolen and that his car was spray-painted. Now, um, I don't know Kevin as well as you do, Brianna. Mm-hmm. Where is he from? Uh, he's in the U.S. Oh, because he spells honor with a U also. So that's why I asked. I'm pretty and sure. Favorite. favorite also O-U. I thought he was in the U.S. Maybe he's hmm. not. Well, maybe he is in the U.S., but from somewhere else originally. Who knows? Oh, now I'm going to feel like a total ass if it turns out that he is, you know, from England or something. <laughs> yeah. We, we'll find out. We will. Uh, he is in the group, obviously. So, And if I'm wrong, we'll cut this part out. <laughs> or we'll just leave it in and he can laugh and, you know, smack his knee or something. Um, anyone who has a prized possession from a loved one who has passed away, destroyed, feels crippled because it is like the last piece of that person is gone forever. I also loved how Daniel showed no fear entering the Cobra Kai dojo. In the past, he was always squeamish going in there. He stood his ground and challenged Johnny something we have never seen him do. Daniel has grown so much and has so much confidence and a degree of arrogance to him that he has always needed. Hands down, my favorite episode of season two. Kevin, a.k.a. Cobra Kai Dad. Interesting. Favorite episode, huh? Okay. It's it's probably my number two. Okay. Very yeah. interesting. I, I have not sat down and decided on which one is my favorite, but, I mean, this is not a bad one to go with. You oh, know? I, I, mean, I knew what my favorite was by... Immediately. Like, as, yeah, immediately after, after No Mercy ended. I knew exactly, you know, at least which one was my number one. It took me a while to settle on this one as, as probably number two. Pulpo gotcha. is my favorite. I mean... Oh yeah, I'm, I'm I'm just going to I'm just going to call it right now. Season nine of ever episode nine of every season is going to be my favorite because that's where Johnny and Daniel shh, shh, shh. don't say that most get to be friends and oh, then it all it falls out. apart. You know what they're going to do now? They're probably going to flip the script and make it episode two next season. So we we should not. You know what I mean? Well, that's perfectly fine. Whichever, epi- <laughs> whichever episode, whichever episode Daniel and Johnny can tolerate each other in, will be my favorite episode every season uh, of that season. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah, this one is not uh, wrong to go with. I uh, again, this episode, and I'm gonna take your phrase. You know, I, I love this episode because it hurts. Yeah, it it and really I- does. I think during the review, I, I got to a point, and I don't even know I. I felt like, you know, again, this is over a week, so I'm trying to remember, but I, I think I was just lost at words, you know, like what I was trying to say about the episode and how I felt and stuff. Well, it's kind of like how I feel about Crease too. I mean, I loathe the man, right? Right. But I also, <laughs> uh, but I love having him here. Yeah. Because I hate what he does to my boys Right, but I love what he does to the boys. You know, it's it's it it everything has a place and everything ties together and everything exists for a reason. And even when we get later in the season and you find out my opinion of Raymond, it all has a point. It all has a purpose. Right, and it's also perfectly done. I love having him there, even as much as I hate the man. Here, here. So, all right. Up next is Amy. Oh, and hey, she Hey, MES, also newer moderator. Yay! And she's got two. Um, rewatched it last night. This episode just wrecks me. 
The reminder that Eli exists in there somewhere, but has become Hawk, and worse, has become a disciple of Crease, is heartbreaking. And Daniel is so distraught over the vandalism and theft, and Johnny is so confused by it, all but taking Carmen's advice. Meanwhile, he's so hopeless over Robbie moving in with Daniel. He was making an effort and got punched in the face again. Billy has a fantastic drunk stumble, though. And I'm just going to stop and laugh, because I love the way he stumbles. I mean, he's... It, He's He's, com- great. he's completely sober, but he looks like, you know, a, every drunk person ever trying to step backwards. With everything that came later in the season, I forgot that this entire episode was full of gut punches. Oh, one super positive thing about this episode. Every single one of Daniel's reactions to Dimitri, Ralph's face in this episode was amazing. But it always is. I will not disagree. <laughs> uh, I see no lies here, basically. No, um, no lies. Yeah. Uh, you, you know what? I think we can always count on Amy S. leaving feedback because she does provide us with the episode summaries. So there you go. Right. And she knows she's another one. I mean, I think everyone on the group that leaves feedback, we're all just so super into this. Right. You know, and I think everybody definitely well, has things to say and could, well, except for occasional <laughs> trolls we, in the dungeon who right. we deal with accordingly. <laughs> with gifts. Right. G I F S, yes. Or grades. Sure. You know, the the, the one point for, for trying didn't even save him, so but everybody has something to say and we're all just so into the show. And we're these are not just like surface comments. Everybody kinda digs in. And right. I think that's pretty awesome because you go to feedback threads for other shows and it's like, oh, such and such was pretty. Well, yeah, we know that. Everybody on Ugh. this show is pretty. Let's get to the meat of what's going on. You know? Yeah. Don't remind so, me about people posting about objectifying characters and actors. Um, anyway. Uh, well, the We don't piece, do that. What are you talking about? Of course we don't. You know, I'm talking about the other group. Oh. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. So yeah, it's The bad. last piece of feedback in the group, our group, is from Debbie H., uh, she says, late for the party, but I just want to say the Enterprise Wump. Wump? Wump. Enterprise. Okay. Wump is a fan fiction term for basically kicking the crap out of a character or characters. I may or may not be the one who introduced her to it. She may or may not be a huge aficionado of it. Anoush may or may not be one of her favorite characters. She's basically talking <laughs> about Johnny punching Anoush um, under the Enterprise sign. And it, it made her want to rent a Maserati. Yes. So A plus for the product placement, I suppose. Uh, wink, wink, wink. Yeah, but poor Anoush because, you know, he had to get bruised ribs for her to want to go to Enterprise and rent a car. <laughs> <laughs> also, I love Johnny. I adore Johnny. No one can question that. He really should have been arrested for that. Yeah, assault. You know, like, uh, I'm surprised he, um, well, I, I don't think we saw any other employees that we recognize. So but I'm surprised nobody called the cops. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, is it Sheila? Is that her name? The the That's desk lady thinking. that we all yeah, loved, you know? She, she's at the other location. Yeah, she's That's with what... Daniel and Amanda at the main one. Mm-hmm. So th- so that wraps it up there. And again, we have just a few on Twitter. I went on Twitter and said, hey, 
If you guys want to leave some feedback, use the hashtag companion205. Uh, the first one to respond with this was Jen at Sweep the Leg 84. Love the news of No Shelter, which I think uh, all of us would probably agree with that. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, that was one that I, I was never expecting to hear because it's such a blatant in your face song. Um, and it's so tied to the original. But I love the way they used it, and I think it was perfect. Mm-hmm. All right, and then Jared M. Because you said please use the hash brown, Companion 205. Jared says, I keep frying these potatoes, but they're just not tweeting right. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's that pretty is good. a good one. That is a good one. Um, our our fandom on the whole at this point is um, we're one big giant cliche. We hash brown everything and we send it to the Internet constantly all day long. It works. So, <laughs> that one that one made me smile. That really works. Um, and that, that comes from him at Words by Jim. Uh, the next one comes from Natty at Serpent Blue. She says, I find very interesting the flipping the script thing, but more importantly, noticing that we all have sides we might not show or be even aware of. I think Hawk was in Eli. Johnny just helped him come to the service. And Eli still lives in Hawk. He's just suppressing that side of him. Companion 205. I agree with that. I do, too. I do, too. Um, I think that I, I, I don't want to think it, but almost like Eli always wanted to be that asshole. He just thought he couldn't. Yeah. And then Johnny gave him the courage to be that asshole. And I think the same thing happened with Miguel. But Miguel didn't really want to be that asshole. Hawk did. Mm-hmm. So. And then Rust and Stardust at M. Hummingbird. This is the turning point episode for Hawk. Even the series title goes from blue to red. I also think it's interesting that Hawk is one of the only three characters to get a flashback, the others being Johnny and Daniel. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. I hadn't thought about that at all. That's very true. Um, and so that's all of the feedbacks on Twitter. And something we usually don't ever get, because we're not the Cobra guys, an email. So this comes from Natty, uh, a.k.a. Serpent Blue. Um, This was pretty lengthy, so I'll try to get through this as quick as I can. Uh, I do appreciate this, Natty. Um, I'm I'm not even sure if this one she was expecting for me to read because it's lengthy. Like, this might have just been an email to us. Uh, But she says, hi, companions. So after tweeting and Instagramming, no Facebook because what's a Facebook? Back and forth, and uh, I decided to write this email from my Dell and present myself. As you know, I was raised and live in Uruguay, but lived in f- uh, for seven years in Argentina. My father, who was into yoga, qigong, and all that, made me watch. If I'm not wrong, the three of Karate Kid the same weekend when I was around 10 in 1999. I remember covering my eyes during the fights as Mr. Miyagi was a father figure for Daniel for me, he became the standard of a mentor slash teacher. In 2015, I moved from Buenos Aires to Cordoba, another province in Argentina, and found my own mentor. We didn't do karate per se, but instead we did different spiritual practices. One day, as we were painting one of the walls, I told to one of my partners, see, like Karate Kid, trying to encourage her to watch it, but she prejudged by the, by the name. There was another moment where we had to pull out a piece of metal that was buried in the ground 
and we tried and tried so hard, we thought we couldn't do it, so we pushed it back in. Our teacher came and made us try again, but this time together. Old-fashioned teamwork. You can imagine my face when I saw the scene between Dimitri and Chris. I bring this up not only because I love coincidences, but also because it makes me really think about the depth of the show. I left everything I had built in Buenos Aires, but I moved to Cordoba to encounter those lessons. It was rough, but I became so much stronger. And to see that they are bringing these messages back to the world, and to see that people care enough to strip the episodes and talk about it, just warms my heart. In 2018, I moved back to my hometown, Montevideo.、Um, Montevideo. Just, thank you, Montevideo. One more, one more time. Montevideo. Montevideo. Thank you. I'm going to mispronounce a lot of these, so my apologies. The start of the idea of starting a podcast had been around for a while, but I felt I needed a partner. A few months later, I met Augustine, and the second day I saw him, I told him the idea I had, and he said yes immediately. Although he didn't know what a podcast was, we started in November, and I had been releasing once a week until April when he moved across the country. The other day, I heard you guys live across the country too. I couldn't believe the amount of time you dedicate to editing and finding each scene, writing it down, etc. It was inspiring to know more about you guys and your work behind the microphone. I always reevaluate why I'm doing the things I'm doing, why talk on the podcast. But when I do it, I feel the certainty run through my veins. And if just one person who's listening feels touched by our message, we feel we have done the work, as you just said by the end of this last episode. That's why I'm writing to you because I know it is great to have feedback, to feel the world a little closer, to know that as humans we struggle with the same things. You might have noticed our IG is como es. Arriba podcast, which is short for "Como es arriba es abajo," as above so below, one of the seven universal laws described in Kybalion. I agree with you, Peter. The world does work in mysterious ways. Thank you, Natty. What a great email! That's fantastic. Yeah, that was worth the read.、Uh, to be honest with you,、um, that's amazing. I wonder. If she has to do what Kiara does and translate, so I mean, if she's listening to us, I, I'm sure she speaks English just fine. But I think that's extremely awesome, an extremely positive attitude to have, and I really appreciate you taking the time to send that. I will say that I agree with her wholeheartedly. The world does work in mysterious ways, and this show does. Phenomenal things that you never even knew you needed it to do because this show gave me you. Oh, what do you? Why you got to do this? Why you do this? <laughs> because, because、uh, it's true. Yeah. Well, I heart you. I heart you back. All right. Well, even if you、I'm、are jealous of Spencer's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who is this guy? <laughs> you guys got to follow us on Twitter to know what the hell we're talking about. Um, well,、uh, again, thank you as always, Brianna's、uh, uses real eggs, and thank、so. you, and thank Tom, even though there is no Tom this time at the moment. Yeah,、um, I think we do. Well, we'll be mentioning it up as we、um, wrap up the episode. But Tom was under the weather when we recorded, and I was just physically exhausted. So、um, I think we're both better、uh, at this point. So. Um, Tom will be back on the next episode, and I, I we we hope to do a bonus、uh, review of this new Netflix movie called Beats,、uh, which also stars Khalil Everidge and Paul Walter Hauser. 
So if you guys are interested, check that movie out. We will be doing a review soon, and we'll drop it in this feed, too. I'm hearing great things about it. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm hearing good things. Yeah, yeah. Khalil is amazing in that. So if you guys didn't think you had enough of him as Chris, um, this might be like a... You could look at it as kind of a prequel to Cobra Kai Season 2. There we go. That'll work. All right. So we're going to end this segment here, and then Tom and I will come back and wrap up the episode. Okay. So I want to thank Brianna again for joining in on the Easter eggs and feedback. Uh, Tom, you know, you're under the weather. You didn't bring that up. And, you know, (laughs) actually, I I think we're – I'm just – exhausted and you're I was gonna sick. Say. Yeah. We're both not in, in in the greatest and so we wanted to keep this recording short so that's why we did um I- anyway, we'll just we'll wrap it up. Uh but you know, as always, want to thank you guys for checking out this episode, you know, listening to our show. Just supporting us in general. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. Um there's many ways to get a hold of us and interact with us. Uh we mentioned the group, you know, in the feedback. If you want to join the group, just go on Facebook and search www. Cobra Kai period TV AMB group and you spell out the words period. Uh if Twitter is your thing, we're at Cobra Kai Pod and on Instagram at Cobra Kai Podcast. Tom, do you do anything else that's not Cobra Kai related? Yeah, I have my own show. I co-host it with my friend Jake. We call it Jake and Tom Conquer the World. You can find uh, those episodes anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, such as iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. Uh, If you're stuck at a computer, definitely head over to Geeks Worldwide, where you can find us and any uh, other number of other great shows. And for me, I do a retro movie review podcast called Podstalgic. Once in a while, I do new releases as well. And there's definitely some new releases this summer that I want to check out. Um, so give me a follow on Instagram or Twitter at Podstalgic if you want to be, um, you know, up, up to date to the, on those. I don't know if this episode will be out before then, but uh, keep an eye out on the Netflix movie Beats, uh, which also stars Khalil Everidge who plays Chris in uh, season two of Cobra Kai. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. I may end up reviewing that on Paul Stalgic. I'm not sure yet at this point, but I just want to throw that out because that movie is coming out soon. And that's going to do it. I want to thank you guys again for your guys' continued support. And until the next episode, you kicked me. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Cortem Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Cortem Parts shows, visit cortemparts.com.